Good evening. Wales now has six confirmed cases of coronavirus. All six have been to Italy in recent weeks. Earlier this evening, the Prime Minister said the UK is still in the contained phase of dealing with the virus. But preparations are being made to move into the delay stage. His statement came after another COBRA meeting to discuss the virus. First Minister Mark Drakeford and Health Minister Vaughan Gething were among those attending that meeting. Keeping coronavirus in check, for now, will stretch our health services to the limit. From today, GPs here in Wales have new kit, both for testing patients and for their own protection. The health minister took charge for what's planned to be a twice-weekly Welsh Government update. But who's in charge overall? Well, the chief medical officer is providing advice to ministers on action that we might take. Ministers then have to decide. Uh, I'm obviously taking a leading role given the importance of my brief, but... The First Minister, of course, has been involved in not just today's COBRA meeting, chaired by the Prime Minister, but then the Wednesday COBRA meeting is one that I intend uh, on behalf of the government. So, Could that lead to confusion if there's three of you in charge? No. Ministers decide, and the First Minister and I are, are talking on a regular basis about this. I'm chairing a particular a core group of ministers on the government response uh, each Wednesday now as well. And related to that... The Portuguese president has had to self-isolate. Have you got contingency plans if you need to self-isolate or another minister needs to do that? Because we expect there to be more cases, we don't expect that the government will be unaffected. So that is part of the conversation I've already had with the First Minister about arrangements that we'd need to have in place. The Assembly has no plans to shut up shop, although officials are monitoring advice. Similarly, both Houses of Parliament plan to keep going for now. Schools are being told there's no need to close. But this is being taken seriously and we all have to take seriously the advice about things like washing our hands, whatever our age. Well, the man advising the Welsh Government on its response to coronavirus is Chief Medical Officer Dr Frank Atherton. I met him this afternoon and started by asking him, well, it may seem like a daft question, how worried should we be about COVID-19? It's not a daft question at all. There's so much media coverage and attention. Uh, everybody's uh, talking about coronavirus at the moment. The reality, of course, is that it's, uh, you know, it can be a serious disease, but for most people, it, it will be a, min a minor illness. Uh, they'll shrug it off, they'll get better. The, the worry here is, of course, that uh, as for, a, for a minority of people, maybe uh, 15, 20%, it will be a more serious illness. And we know from experience in China, for example, and now more recently in, in Italy, uh, that it tends to be older people, it tends to be people with pre-existing health conditions who really uh, do, do, do have a, a more serious case, case of the disease. So could you put that into um, context or perspective for us, I suppose, compared to something, well, say seasonal flu, because many thousands of people die of seasonal flu on a regular basis. Um, all kinds of figures have been bandied around over the last couple of weeks about the numbers who would die from coronavirus. Could you, can you put that in perspective for us? Well, maybe the perspective which would help would be that, you know, in seasonal flu, you're right, you know, people do die every year. Uh, but the, the figures that we've seen so far in, uh, in China and in, uh, in Italy suggest that uh, the coronavirus does have a higher case fatality rate uh, than, uh, than seasonal flu. Now, we don't know what that would be if it comes uh, to, uh, to Wales when it, uh, when it, if, 
it takes off uh, more widely in the UK, uh, and that will become evident as the disease, as the epidemic starts to unfold. But it is more, uh, more, more serious in that regard than pandemic flu, than, than, than the normal seasonal flu. So, so we, uh, as a society generally, are right to be worried about it, not to panic, but right to be worried about well, this. I, I think we're right to uh, be doing everything we can to prepare for a potential epidemic uh, in, the, in, in the forthcoming months. Would it help um, if, I, and I, I get that there's patient confidentiality, but would it help if we, uh, as the public, knew more about the cases that already have happened? I'm not going into details, but are they recovering? Are they getting worse, that sort of thing? Well, I think it's, it's reasonable for the public to know broadly what's happening. Um, and uh, of course, uh, we haven't had a lot of cases here in Wales. We've had six cases so far. That's a small number, but what Can it you tell does us mean- how they are? What it does mean is that, that uh, the, the, the virus is circulating. Uh, for, for obvious reasons, we don't talk about individual patients, uh, but the, uh, the patients that we have across the UK, uh, there's, there's quite a wide range. Uh, many people uh, have very mild illness and uh, are really being monitored and looked after and cared for at home. Uh, some people are really running into quite difficult problems and needing uh, extra support through the NHS. Uh, you talk, we've talked about preparations. There are all these preparations going on. What about for you? Uh, and for other senior civil servants and for ministers, um, what happens if, if you come down with coronavirus? Well, it's a question everybody should be asking themselves, really, because uh, you know preparedness is about the NHS being ready for a, an, an increased workload, an increased case uh, caseload of disease, people with disease, but also at an individual level, there are things we can do, and we know the things we can do to protect ourselves. Our hand washing is a, a major thing, but we can also start to think, well, what if I did become ill and I was required to self-isolate? So in my, my, my case, uh, if if I was in that position, I would make sure that there are people at work who can cover for me, who can do my job while I'm, uh, while I, while I'm sick. Uh, I would be looking at my ability to be home working. So uh, luckily in Welsh Government, we do have reasonable arrangements for, uh, for, for, for telephoning in and for uh, Skyping into meetings, etc. Uh, and I'd be making sure that, uh, that I, I, I could have friends who could drop off food for me without being in close contact with me. So all of those things are very straightforward to put in place. And uh, in terms of the bigger picture for the NHS, you're not a politician, so I'm not expecting you to answer politically, but have you got enough resources? Has the NHS got enough resources? Well, there's no doubt that uh, if the, uh, the, what we call the, the, the reasonable worst case scenario does come to pass, if the epidemic really does take off, in the UK and here in Wales, the NHS will come under a very significant pressure. And that's why uh, we're working very closely. We have, almost da we have daily calls now with NHS colleagues to, to start to ramp up the, the, uh, the pre preparation arrangements to make sure that we, we're able to, to, to deal with uh, extra cases of uh, moderately ill people and indeed you know, severely ill people if they start to uh, present at, uh, at uh, hospital services. The health minister said earlier, the chief medical officer advises that to ministers to decide and act. Is he listening to your advice? I, uh, I liaise very closely with the minister, uh, again, almost on a daily basis, and uh, uh, the ministers are listening. The, the, the important thing to remember in the UK, and it applies certainly here in Wales, is that we are driven by the science. So we really are looking at what works, what interventions might work. Uh, it's my job. Uh, to advise ministers on the, the, the best uh, interventions that we can do to both mitigate and to manage this uh, epidemic, potential epidemic, and it's for ministers to decide what, what, uh, what, what, uh, how we put those into place. Dr. Atherton, thank you very much.
The Welsh political conference season got underway this weekend. You'll be thrilled to hear with the Tories heading to Llangollen. The party's still riding high after the December general election, but the Welsh Conservatives are not without their problems. With an assembly election just about visible on the horizon, will leader Paul Davis be able to resolve the issues and replicate Boris Johnson's success in Wales? Owen Phillips reports. The hand sanitizer was in full use in Llangollen, and cleansing devolution was a recurring theme too for the Tories. Paul Davis set the party on a Modivo sceptic tone, calling for changes to the Assembly and its workings. As a party, we will not be abolishing the Assembly, but we do need to listen more to the concerns of those who want to. Just like the establishment in Brussels, people feel remote, ignored and disenfranchised from the elites in Cardiff Bay. That is not what people voted for all those years ago. After decades of arrogant and wasteful rule in Wales, Labour still don't know how to run anything. They couldn't even run a bath. <laughs> but Paul Davis insisted it wasn't a change in direction. This all sounded remarkably populist to me. It was Trump light, was it? Not at all. What I was talking about was cutting the cost of politics and I will lead by example if I become First Minister. I will cut the number of ministers as well in my uh, government. And I think that's what people want to see. They want us to concentrate on the public services, not on the politicians. And that was, uh, that's what I was talking about in my speech. But I know you, right? You're, you're calm, you're sensible. This isn't Paul Davis, is it? Of course it is. I'm offering a bold, radical agenda for the people of Wales. And the choice is going to be absolutely clear next year between Mark Drakeford as First Minister or Paul Davis as First Minister. The Welsh party has been beset by a string of internal scandals. But Paul Davis insisted he'll remain in place to lead them into 2021. Had problems within the groups and grumblings about your leadership. Are you still the right man to lead this? I believe I am the right man to lead the Welsh Conservative group into the next assembly elections. My group believe I'm the right man to actually lead the Conservatives in the next assembly elections, and I'm determined to be First Minister. You heard that today. Isn't the truth, though, you're hanging on to Boris Johnson's coattails here? It'll be Boris Johnson uh, in the election in a, in a year's time, not you. Well, of course, Boris Johnson is very popular. We saw that in December of last year in the general uh, election. And that, again, that's what I was talking about in my speech, working with the Prime Minister, working with Boris Using Johnson. Using Boris Johnson's deliver, name, effectively, well, to, to, to get you to be First Minister. Boris Johnson wants to see a Welsh uh, government that actually works with the UK government, and that's what I'm determined to do. The party have been in buoyant mood, with Llangollen now part of a new North Wales hatland after December's gains. Well, I've always voted Labour, but I voted Conservative this year. Right. So I, I think Labour went too far left. And was so. that a vote, was it a one-off, or do you think that's more of a permanent shift? Oh, we'll just see what the future brings, see how, see how well Boris does in the future. Pretty much it's about Brexit still. around here, very much still. Changed my mind to buy Cymru, because if I didn't have that vote, then I didn't have a chance, did I? So Will Labour come back, though, do you think, in the end? Um, probably not in Clangotlam. The Prime Minister hopes to consolidate his newfound support and he took aim at the Welsh Government ahead of next year's election. Let's make sure that Paul Davis and his team show the desiccated Corbynista Drakeford. 
where to get off. Yeah. Let's get on with, with taking this amazing, this amazing place forward. Delivering, delivering those vital improvements in transport infrastructure which currently uh, are being... Uh, are being ignored by the Welsh Labour government. Not just the, the A55, not just north-south connectivity. We've got to do that. We will do that. We'll drive that forward. But I think we've got to bring an end to the lamentable chapter of the Bring Glass Tunnels and the M4. Isn't it a total, total disgrace? And the Welsh Secretary defended the Prime Minister's use of language. The desiccated old Corbynista. Is that kind of language helpful? That was a throwaway line, uh, which you hear at party conferences like this, and I'm quite certain. But it's not well, helpful, fact, though, is it? Well, I, I, I want to approach uh, my relationship with Welsh Government in a collaborative way, but that does not preclude, by the way, uh, does not preclude debate and discussion and disagreement and from time to time criticism, um, and nor does it preclude, I suspect, um, a degree of uh, uh, sort of, you know, party activity, which isn't necessarily, you know, the, the ground of well, really helpful, is it? I, it doesn't appeal to everybody, and I know, I, I know that. The recent flooding has seen tensions between both governments, and Simon Hart wasn't budging on more cash. It's a Welsh government matter, um, but I want UK government to be there uh, if and when we're needed. Well, you say uh, Welsh government matter. They claim that they've lost £200 million uh, of uh, funding recently uh, with a Barnet revision. What about starting there? Well, I, 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 I've said before, I think it is unfortunate that they have decided to politicise uh, this by using that example. To use it in the context of flooding, I think it would be profoundly disappointing if you're a business or a house affected by flooding and actually instead of receiving the help that you expect from your uh, elected government in Cardiff, it comes back to all, money you, get, though, all you get is an argument. But what those businesses want are money. They, they want to see money on the ground and they don't really care where it comes from. Yeah, well I think I, I absolutely agree with that. I absolutely agree. Whenever UK government has stepped in to say, oh, by the way, we think you might want to do this a different way, we are absolutely rebuffed by Welsh government. We are constantly criticised for interfering, of actually trying to jeopardise the devolution agreement. And so when we try to respect the devolution agreement, um, I think that should be reciprocal. This conference was also a celebration for the Conservatives' December gains. And they'll hope to have the Welsh political world at their fingertips next year, too. And if you want to hear more from Paul Davis or Boris Johnson, search for the Sharp End podcast wherever you subscribe. Now, when Flybe was grounded last week, it wasn't entirely unexpected. The company had already had a stay of execution in January. But with ticket sales plunging as the coronavirus spread across Europe, Flybe called in the administrators last week. It's a big blow for regional airports across the UK, not least for the Welsh Government-owned Cardiff Airport. Flybe was big business for Cardiff Airport. More than a quarter of flights from the Welsh capital were run by the airline, attracting around 300,000 passengers a year. After the firm's early morning collapse on Thursday, the departure boards showed the impact that Flybe's demise will have. Now, this flyby situation has occurred as a result of a huge number of very difficult factors that are impacting on industry at the moment. COVID-19 has been the latest thing that has tipped the balance, but we've had Brexit, we've had currency issues, we've had oil prices. So it is a challenging time across the whole piece, really, that we are, you know, at the airport, absolutely focused on working our way through. 
The Welsh Government bought the airport back in 2013 for £52 million and has since ploughed tens of millions of pounds more into the site. Passenger numbers have increased but in December the airport reported a pre-tax loss of £18.5 million. The minister in charge said he was confident that the airport would survive Flybe's departure. Wales, as a result of the diversification of Cardiff Airport's activities, the reliance on Flybe was far less strained. And so we will be able to ensure that the uh, airport overcomes this short-term challenge. A challenge it certainly is. There are those who think the Welsh Government shouldn't have bought this airport. But even they will want to see it survive this challenge and take off once more. Joining me to discuss this now are Plaid Cymru's Helen Mary-Jones, Catherine Jones for Labour and David Melding for the Welsh Conservatives. Thank you for joining me. David Melding, how big a blow for Cardiff Airport is the collapse of Flybe? Well, it is big. I mean, of course, it's affected other regional airports across the UK. So uh, there is some solace, I suppose, that it's not, you know, uh, Cardiff in, in particular. But uh, it, it, it is a big blow. Uh, Flybe were a big part of uh, the future of the airport, we were told, in 2016. Too big a part, perhaps? Well, you know, there's always a, a danger about that. There is some resilience as well. I mean, uh, if, if some flights have been picked up by other carriers, uh, like Logan Air. So I hope that others will come in and fill in, um, you know, what are really quite important uh, routes. And we all want to see the airport flourish, but I think we need to look at what plan we have for that now, really, really carefully. Catherine Jones, I'm sure this wasn't what you had in mind when uh, you approved the purchase of the airport. Is it a fatal blow? Oh, no, no, no. It's a setback, no question about that. But if you look at Southampton or Exeter or Belfast City, they were very much more reliant on, uh, on Flybe, even though it's a big chunk of Cardiff's business. Uh, one of the routes has been replaced. Uh, in time, I expect that most of them will be replaced. They weren't losing money. They were making money. At the moment, it's a difficult time because airlines have seen demand drop because of the uh, coronavirus. There's a problem with supply of aircraft as well, so they're not going to be filled very quickly. But uh, we've also got you know, Qatar Airways and KLM and others there who are uh, obviously contributing to the, uh, the flights that, uh, that leave the airport. It's a shame and it's a setback. But the airport will bounce back and no, it's far from being fatal. We'll ask questions about the ownership of the airport in a moment. But Helen Mary-Jones, um, your reaction and your thoughts on, on the collapse of Flybe and what it means? Well, there the are two sets of, of problems here for me. Uh, the UK government had given what we understood was assurances uh, to Flybe that there would be a support package in place. That seems to have disappeared. And I think we have to ask really strong questions of the government centrally. If they're serious about this levelling up business, they need to be supporting that regional infrastructure. And the other question for me is why didn't the Welsh Government know this was coming? Now, that may not be their fault. It may be that Flybe has kept certain things confidential. But given that they were so important, though I would agree with what both of David and Carwin Jones have said, it's not a fatal blow. But why didn't they know further in okay. advance? Because if they um, had, there might have been something they could do with the UK Government you, to help. You're not in, in the Welsh Government now, Carwin Jones, but do you know if, if the Welsh Government knew? <laughs> airlines are precarious businesses. And it, it, it's very difficult to know whether an airline will prosper and they can suddenly you know literally take a nosedive as we've seen with flyby I mean, you can't you can't revenue subsidize an airline no. uh, so 
what you have to do is then go looking for other airlines okay. to, to take the place of, of the uh, to, to fill the services that you've lost. Uh, just picking up on the point you made, Helen Mary Jones, about the UK government. You said the UK government should have done more to save it. The UK government says it did a lot, uh, and it's it's not its place to save failing businesses. Well, it saves failing businesses when it suits it, and and these are and these are you know and, and what's a failing business and what isn't, and, and what investment can you put in to help prevent a business from failing? But we are where we are now, and I think I'm sure okay. we'd all agree that we need to secure a future for the airport. Before before we go on to the future, we'll just stick with the blame game then for a little bit longer. David Melding, should the UK government have done more to, to save this company? Well, it did try in January and I think, you know, events uh, overtook uh, the uh, the airline and uh, it was not savable, I guess, at the end at, uh, you know, at, at, at reasonable cost anyway. And, uh, and it is difficult, as Carwin has okay. said, in terms of the sort of intervention that is permitted. Before we actually talk about the airport then, what can be done to replace the, the airlines? Catherine Jones, you, you already touched on that, to, to bring new... There's a good team in the airport and they will be out there now talking to airlines. But was Flybe unique amongst regional airlines yes it was I mean, it was it was it, if you look at the other airlines that, that people talk about Ryanair EasyJet most of their market is flying to destinations in in the rest of Europe uh, the the only airline really that had a network this large in terms of regional connectivity within the UK was was Flybe because we've seen a lot of them go over the years you know go literally has gone uh, Monarch went BMI baby went yeah it's a precarious business okay. So Logan Air, obviously they've taken over the Scottish routes that um, that that, uh, that Flybe had. It's a question of talking to some of the other airlines who've got the capacity to take the routes over. OK, uh, future of the airport then. First of all, Helen Mary Jones, should the Welsh Government own the airport at all? I think they made the right decision. Uh, and I think it is fair to say that the airport management have been working really hard to diversify. It is true that Flybe was a quarter of the flights, but they weren't a quarter of the revenue, as I understand it. So right. that a lot 60%. of work has gone in. In, in, in truth... <clears throat> We want to move away from flight in the end. We all know that because of, because of the environmental impact. But you can't have a viable economy, in a regional economy in a European sense, with no international airport. So that was a right step to take. What we now have to ask is whether the relationship between the Welsh Government and the airport is strong enough to ensure that long-term future. And I guess that's our job uh, David, to scrutinise them on. David Melding, should the Welsh Government continue to own this airport? I mean, if the alternative is closure. Well, I, you know, I don't want to close, so uh, if you put it as dramatically as that, but we, we, we re really didn't think the airport should have been bought for, you know, the 52 million that it cost. That was the first error, really. And, you know, with, with the loans that have also been necessary, we've seen public investment of 111 million. Now, we hope to recoup some of that. But I think at the moment, we just need a plan which eventually will make the airport uh, saleable again. But that plan will have to focus on route development, on improving uh, access to the airport and uh, really because a good on, marketing on strategy. So that's what we need to concentrate on, on now. On paper, then we should no, be in nothing's a position wrong to with sell. the airport, is it? It should be, I mean, it's as difficult and or as it, easy it, to get a, to. It's as a, a great airport. airport to use and I think, you know, we, we should remember that. I frequently use okay. uh, Cardiff. A quick word then, Catherine Jones, on your duty. There is a master plan which the airport produced, I think it was the last year or the year before. Back in 2013, when we bought the airport, that wasn't the plan. We weren't looking to buy the airport. It would have closed. Yes. It would have closed. No question about okay. that. Uh, uh, and it was bought after an independent valuation. Personally, what I'd like to see is that in time that the airport company sells shares to the public, I'd still want the government to keep 50% plus one 
in terms of the shares to maintain that controlling interest. And bear in mind, the public ownership of airports is actually the norm. Okay. Yes. An airport bought for the people, an airport owned by the people, not my words, the words of the Conservative Mayor of Tees Valley. OK, well, we, we can't be responsible for all airports in this programme, but thank you both very, uh, thank all of you very much, um, because that's it for this week. We'll be back next Monday. Until then, thanks to my guests, a panel of up-and-coming young backbenchers in the Assembly. Uh, you're doing very well. Thank you for joining us, and good night.